This is the ball of Tiger Woods. Lanny, what about this? Burn, this is extremely difficult. This is one of the toughest pitches on the entire place here. He's got to put this well. That You can see him looking up the slope. He's almost got to put it up to where you saw Trevor Immelman's ball come from to get it close. Well, I'm reminded of Davis Love here four or five years ago when he pitched him. Yeah, he's a little bit further up, I think, than mm -hmm. Davis was. Yes, he is. Got the same basic kind of shot. He's going to have to, to get it close, he's going to have to put it up into the slope, though, somewhat. And, of course, it's made a lot tougher by having that second cut right behind the ball. It almost forces him. I think to put it back and have to hit a low shot. He cannot put it up in the air with the, with the second cut that close behind the ball. You can see him putting it back in his stance right here and picking the club up like he's going to hit right down on it. And uh, he's picked out a landing spot that is a good 25 feet above the hole. There's a good chance he doesn't get this inside the Marco's ball. Snow overnight. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I'm rather strange that it would happen on opening day of baseball. Uh, the final four down in Detroit. Just a quick comment about that. This is the classic sporting event. CBS couldn't have asked for anything better. You got Michigan, which is being picked on again in the national media for all sorts of reasons with one of their uh, great institutions, I guess. I say that guardedly. Uh, I'm not rooting against Michigan State tonight. I am definitely rooting for Carolina. I grew up as a Carolina fan, but this is like a classic ACC Big Ten matchup, and the key's just going to be the officiating and the shooting because... Uh, well, the one you can do something about and the other you can't. Yeah. If it's a sort of an ACC finesse-officiated game, North Carolina should win handily. But if they officiate the game the way the Connecticut uh, MSU quarter or semifinal or the MSU-Louisville quarterfinal, MSU's got a shot. They play sort of aggressive Big Ten wrestling-style defense, very aggressive, a lot of contact. A lot of non-basketball contact, I should add. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the game is called. Time well, will tell, but uh, I would say given the points, go with MSU. Uh, but I think North Carolina, at the end of the day, will win with their inside-outside uh, style offense. But it should be a great game. Yeah, just a quick comment from me, who's neither followed nor seen any of the games mm -hmm. in the tournament. Um, in fact, I haven't watched a college uh, basketball final game uh, since Michigan State won it back in the day with Greg Kelser and uh, 
Sure. Magic Johnson. But uh, I'm just going to have to give a, a Sour Grapes uh, award to uh, people who are find themselves unable. Now, rooting for Connecticut's one thing, mm-hmm. but to actively root against uh, the steam that doesn't happen to fly your own school colors, uh, to me, is just bad faith. Just poor sportsmanship. And uh, you should be excited for uh, any positive uh, attention to anything from Michigan. And I think... Uh, Yes, of course, when you're going head-to-head against a state rival, of course you uh, want to root for your own school. But uh, failing your own school's uh, presence and participation at that level of competition, I think it's really a good thing, karmically speaking, to root for the other school from your state. And remember, part of the reason why Michigan, University of Michigan, has had such a weak basketball program for so many years is because of the fines and the penalties and the very unscrupulous behavior that the program was run under with Coach Steve Fisher back in the day. Yeah, and this, of course, uh, interestingly, was a scandal that sort of hounded uh, Connecticut a little bit during this uh, year's uh, March madness that's now turned into April winter. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's why I say I'm not rooting against state. I'm rooting for Carolina. I just happened to grow up in an area where I saw the Carolina colors. And uh, it's interesting that Michigan State won in 79, U of M won in 89. So Hmm. if you're into numerology, (laughs) uh, this this might be a Michigan year. Um, But North Carolina runs a uh, top-notch basketball program, the pros that they've put in. And the great players, Bobby Jones, Bob McAdoo, Michael Jordan, uh, Perkins, James Worthy, on and on. Uh, this is, I wouldn't call them the New York Yankees of basketball, but maybe the Los Angeles Dodgers, you know. <laughs> um, everybody hates the Yankees except the Yankee fans. Yeah. I don't think it's uh, easy to hate Carolina. They're just a quality. I think Duke might be the team that people actively root against, but... Oh, that was Richard Nixon's <laughs> law school. Anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, uh, watch the game, enjoy the game, and of course, uh, and it might, I'll it, be watching the hockey game. That's yeah, the it's same a, it's time. amazing night. You've got hockey uh, on one channel. You've got the Tigers opening up. Yeah, it's uh, that it's time of night. Year. They're they're on the road uh, in Toronto, so the game will be played. They have an retractable roof so don't worry about those cold uh, weather conditions in toronto that game will be played tonight without fail uh unless of course they have an earthquake um but uh, go blue <laughs> and that's baby blue but anyway not rooting against state i just want to see a good game and uh state has proven that the big 10 uh, he, they've represented the Big Ten credibly and competitively, and uh, that is a credit to the program that Mike Izzo runs. Anyway, uh, maybe one quick comment about baseball since we're on the sports metaphors. I noticed that George Kell passed away recently, longtime Tiger uh, play-by-play announcer on television. I guess he, I guess he might have done some radio in his earlier day. But a very interesting voice for radio, a wonderful play-by-play guy. Not uh, not Ernie Harwell, but uh, he had this incredible drawl. I think he was from northern Arkansas or something, a part of the country where you just don't hear English-spoken 
uh, that way. And he, uh, I think one of my most memorable George Kell stories was he used to do the games with Al Kaline, of course, the the quintessential Detroit Tiger, probably uh, the all-time Tiger great, uh, notwithstanding Ty Cobb. But uh, George Kell once was telling uh, Al Kaline about a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants at the time, Mike Kruko. It was called Kruko, but anyway, he said, Pitching for the Giants is Mike Krukow. That's spelled K-R-U-K-O-W. And I, when I heard that, I just burst out laughing. And uh, it's just that that wonderful drawl that he had that uh, actually sort of would mesmerize you to his call. And uh, he was a fine tiger in the, the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. And sorry to see him pass. Anyway, uh, obviously, uh, a f- kind of an interesting week with some international events. Uh, a lot of shootings in America. I don't know yeah, if you I, want to talk about that, but well, I mean, too many. It follows it's, up on the story of a week and a half, two weeks yeah. ago, about the rampant uh, increase in gun sales. It's just crazy. And uh, the, the NRA, uh, we'll just give a brain damage award out to the NRA because they have promoted a mythology uh, in recent months that somehow Obama is going to take your guns away. Uh, This has actually spurred gun sales quite a bit. It's obviously a myth. Uh, The National Democratic Party has sort of taken this issue and swept it under the rug because they know it's a a hot-button issue that uh, doesn't win them votes but loses them votes. So they have been sort of quiescent about gun control uh, in recent national elections. And for the NRA to continue uh, running ads uh, in connection with uh, this mythology is uh, not right. Well, one other aspect of this mythology, as you accurately describe it, is the uh, push in several states recently, in the last couple of years here in Michigan even, to allow people to wear concealed weapons, Mm -hmm. sidearms, in in effect, uh, with the sort of bizarre notion that, well, if some random maniac who comes armed to a public function begins to shoot in the crowd, some fine, upstanding citizen who's packing heat will put the matter to rest by playing martial, you know, erp or whatever, Mm -hmm. and uh, shoot down the insane person. It's difficult to know where to begin dismantling this ludicrous notion. Yeah. The idea, okay, so where are these people when these moments occur? And, you know, are you going to have the guy with the concealed weapon himself potentially snap? Uh, You know, rage, anger, depression, stress, these are all things that uh, are consequences psychologically of the difficult economic times in which we live. But uh, the idea that, you know, as I sit quietly in a theater or a stands of a sporting event thinking, well, thank goodness someone here is packing a concealed weapon. I know I'm not. But if there is a raving madman, this heroic individual will stand up and save me. What a bizarre notion. This is the modern age. This is uh, not the kind of world we want to foster. Well, and the thing that's so troubling about some of these, I mean, there are the usual murder-suicides where a guy decides to take out his entire family, which uh, 
happened just the other day. It's it's crazy, but there have been a number of police shootings, uh, one in Pittsburgh, one in Oakland, just in the last 10 days, this this mass shooting and the immigrant. Right. Um, sort of uh, educational facility the other day. It's uh, very troubling, and it reminds us in a week in which uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, for once we'll give her some credit, actually said that we're not no longer going to use the war on terror phrase uh, when talking about, uh, you know, basically our foreign policy. And it just keeps occurring to me that the... Uh, yeah, the average American doesn't need to worry about the mythical Al-Qaeda attack here in the United States, <laughs> but rather... Our uh, own heavily armed citizens. Our and, own heavily armed citizens. by the way, the guy who uh, went off at the Immigration Education Center was wearing body armor. Yeah. Okay? So now, how is Joe Citizen concealing a weapon going to save me? You know, That's, if exactly. the assailant has body armor. Yeah. So all this stuff is being heavily promoted, and by the way, there's a real concern with... The uh, raging drug war spillover in Mexico. Uh, Mexico's real question is not so much, well, although they have been asking for years, gee, it's America's you know, appetite for drugs that makes Mexico a conduit, uh, geographically natural conduit for the South American product. Um, but Mexico's real concern is all the American weapons that yeah. are being sold to these gangs uh, in Mexico who you know, have funding from Colombia and wherever to buy these weapons. So, again, it's the traffic in weapons. You know, the old uh, NRA slogan, which Charlton Heston, God love him as an actor, but as a NRA advocate, uh, he sometimes said rather bizarre things. Uh, the old sawhorse, uh, they'll have to take my weapons from my cold, dead hands, you know, and the old uh, saying that... Uh, Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Yes, but it's the people with guns who you really have to look out for when it comes to killing people. Yeah, and I think there was even an incident in Detroit over the week where a sawed-off shotgun was brought into a school by right. a teenager and luckily was tackled by a teacher. It's very troubling. It needs to be addressed. And by the way, the uh, the the drug war violence in Mexico... Uh, just scary statistics that I've seen on that in terms of recent years of escalation. It's interesting that it coincided with the um, presidency of George Bush. It's it's basically tripled. Yeah, ten thousand people have been killed yeah. in uh, Mexico uh, over the last two years. Yeah, this, in these uh, gang drug war shootings, has always been a serious problem. But it's gone from you know twenty five hundred, three thousand up to ten. It's uh, Serious stuff, and, you know, I I wish that uh, the media would also distinguish between the drugs that cause these problems and marijuana, (laughs) because it's crystal meth and... um, Cocaine, crack. Cocaine, and occasionally, uh, most of the actual heroin doesn't come through Mexico, but certainly the crystal meth and cocaine do, and this is what it's all about. Um the war on drugs, alas, is has been a, about about as ineffective as the war on terror. Indeed, and of course, as listeners are obviously uh, aware, I would assume anyway, that this last weekend had the uh, I don't know how many annual hash bashes there have been. It's kind of a totally different crowd than what it once was, even back in the '80s. Uh, but uh, it does 
receive some media attention, and especially given the fact that President Obama unfortunately kind of laughed off, uh, I think, a rather legitimate question um, at a uh, online town hall meeting recently. And Clarence Page, who is a syndicated columnist carried by what's left of the Ann Arbor News, I, I really like Clarence Page's pieces, generally speaking. And uh, he sort of calls uh, President Obama to task here on this when the question was uh, asked online of the president whether legalizing marijuana might be a stimulus for the economy and job creation. And Obama sort of played it for laughs and said, well, you know, no, and just sort of chuckled it off as I don't think that's uh, going to have any economic impact. Well, Clarence Page, I think, rightly uh, states the following. Such is the call of pro-pot politicians like California Assemblyman Tom Amiano, who has proposed to legalize weed, tax it, regulate it like booze. He estimates the move would generate $1 billion in revenue for the state's troubled budget and save $150 million in enforcement costs. It's hard to argue with Amiano's logic, but it's easy to make light of lighting up. Marijuana is, after all, funny. And he goes to list a bunch of headlines, you know, mm. related to Obama's comment, Obama nope to dope in a Russian newspaper, o Obama's marijuana buzzkill in some online journal and so forth. It makes for nice, playful language. But, uh, I mean, let's face it, whether or not the state wants to recognize this, marijuana is California's number one cash crop mm -hmm. and has been for years. And so uh, to legitimize... I mean, it's not lettuce? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, nor is it even timber, mm -hmm. uh, which is startling. Uh, and this is true for uh, a couple of other states as well. Uh, Kentucky certainly is one of them. But, uh, I mean, how can you seriously just scoff and make light of uh, a possible $1 billion added to the legitimate coffers of taxable uh, sales, purchase, income, et cetera, uh, for a state budget? And these $150 million in enforcement costs, Hello. Mm -hmm. These are big numbers. These are useful numbers. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, as you say, on the spectrum of drugs, certainly alcohol and tobacco, societies legally approved and, you know, sort of socially acceptable drugs, are responsible for far more uh, deaths, injuries, uh, depression, etc., than uh, the illegal ones, and certainly a benign illegal one like marijuana. So it really is uh, sad that, you know, probably Obama has to take this position, at least initially, uh, so that uh, Rush Limbaugh and the right-wingers don't go, oh, well, socialism first and then uh, drugs. And... But it's a good opportunity to seriously consider, again, these sort of systematic changes that we find ourselves in a valuable window of opportunity to reappraise and even consider as not just crazy ideas, but actually viable, economically feasible ones. Well, in medical marijuana um, referenda um, that have passed recently in a number of states, including Michigan, um, demonstrates that the public is willing to uh, approach the problem with some new thinking. Unfortunately, new thinking is not part of what's actually going on with any analysis of the budget. We need not talk about the pathetic press conference or two that the GOP, the House GOP, has had in recent weeks regarding the budget. Where they all voted against the new Obama budget. Uh, they are proposing, incidentally, another tax cut that actually would increase the deficit 
by $300 billion more than yeah, Obama. A tax cut. That's just what we need. For the rich. <laughs> um, and then, of course, they <clears throat> accompany their numbers. And, and famously, their first press conference, they just had a press conference, came out, and had no numbers. They had a folder. And it was reminiscent <laughs> of Joe McCarthy. Right, and I have a list here. I have a letter or that... Uh, a fictional character in the Manchurian Candidate, right. <laughs> who, of course, was definitely a spoof of Joe McCarthy. But recently we've heard quite a lot about pitchfork populism. This is a kind of a new phrase for 2009 as this is associated with the public outrage about bonuses to CEOs, CEO pay, bonuses to banks that are being bailed out. Uh, Mr. Wagner got a, what, a $23 million uh, severance package for uh, leaving General Motors. Uh, and it's interesting how an article like this, which appeared in the uh, business section of the New York Times on the 31st of March. In other words, to actually read this article, you need to be reading the business section, not the front page, but mm. almost back uh, where they're giving you... Um, rental uh, advertisements in the back <laughs> this is it and it's you know it's typical of of how the media ignores important issues you never know where you're going to find a front page story yeah uh and this is christopher drew nearly 70 percent of the pentagon's 96 largest weapons programs were over budget last year for a combined total of 296 billion dollars Okay, now contrast the out. Is there any outrage over this? <laughs> is there any pitchfork populism that the Fox News Network is going to promulgate related to this problem? Alas, no. But if it's $150 million of bonus money, um, and of course some of the bonus money is pretty outrageous, no question about it. But uh, where's the outrage about this? And of course it goes into the... Um, Details of the fact that the proposed 2010, this is the budget they're currently debating, will have a defense budget of $664 billion. By the way, that uh, includes, uh, for a change, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan that uh, President Bush heretofore had conveniently put off budget, sort of in the you know, the magical mystery tour of the uh, the Beatles reunion and Ringo Starr drumming away somewhere, pounding on those billions of dollars. <laughs> Some fantasy hideaway. Fantasy island. <laughs> President Bush, and he apparently threw out a ball today in one of the opening baseball games, and he's feeling chippy because he's <laughs> chipper because he's back at the ranch clearing brush. Uh, yes. Finally, work he's qualified for. And needless to say, this game was in Texas, and he was not roundly booed, but he should have been. Um, the GAO, which, of course, is the investigative uh, arm of, of uh, Congress, basically uh, an auditing agency, uh, said that the Pentagon's management of the contracts remained poor and that the cost, cost overruns were, quote, still staggering. Which means, of course, if you think about this rationally, it would indicate that over a 10-year period, we're talking about $3 trillion. 
of yeah. This is hardly a uh, yeah first time occurrence here. For, yeah. yeah and where's John McCain? Speaking of outrage, yeah. And, you know, fiscal responsibility. Fiscal and, responsibility, or we can't leave these debts to our children. That was uh, that's yeah. Mike Pence's uh, repeated line every time he appears with Eric Cantor and John Boner Boehner. What a motley crew these people are. Um, well, America's been getting hosed by the Pentagon budget for decades now, and uh, it's there's never really been any outcry, uh, largely because these numbers are buried and it's yeah. easily to glossed over it with the scary, you know, coding of, ooh, you know, we must protect ourselves from evil empire today, you know, Al-Qaeda the next day. Or so. Nor North Korea, you know, the <laughs> the mouse that roared is back. The um, uh, big, you know, powerful force that they represent. And of course, it's not only the money, but, but these are other things. The Accountability Office reported that the programs were behind schedule by an average of 22 months, up from 21 months the last year and 18 months in 2003. So not only, of course, do these people not do good work, <laughs> as Mr. Belvedere would say, we do good work. They don't do good work. They don't do any work. Can you imagine uh, show it, you know, turning in work late, 21 yeah. months late? Well, here you go. You know, Here's my term paper. It's two years late. <laughs> and it costs, you know, an extra billion dollars. Give me extra credit, right, teacher. Yeah, this is incredible. So where's the pitchfork outrage? Are you going to hear anybody other than maybe Keith Olbermann and maybe Rachel Maddow? talk this issue up, I kind of doubt it. And of course, uh, Secretary Gates is uh, supposedly reviewing the Pentagon's budget and well, is going to ha duly have a report for Congress later in the week. But, it'll be uh, interesting to see how the right here in America, which of course wants to sort of play up this pitchfork populism, as you call it, uh, Fox has been uh, certainly doing uh, that. Uh, how are they going to spin this when you compare it or contrast it, if you will, to the imagery from uh, Europe where you have these uh, street riots at the G20 meetings, which, of course, will no doubt Fox will want to denounce that as, you know, godless anarchism. Well, yeah, they always it's interesting how they always use the word violence associated with the protests. It's right. Violence. Uh, and of course, you know, there's some scuffling going on and occasionally, yes, uh, a brewery gets um, burned or whatever it was. I, I, I think I don't think it was a brewery, but uh, you know this is interesting. Get, just finishing up on this one final thing because uh, Gates will be reporting later in the week. But according to the GAO, the F twenty two, which is, of course is one of the weapons under scrutiny, was designed in the nineteen eighties. It was originally expected to cost the equivalent of $88 billion in 2009 dollars for 648 planes. The program is now expected to cost $73.7 billion for 184 planes that have been built or ordered. <laughs> and this, of course, is the New Age Super Fighter. Uh, by the way, the... Uh, the preeminent American fighter has never, ever been shot down in battle. It occasionally crashes. The F-16, hmm. I mean, it's there isn't any country in the world that has anything that can compete with this airplane, and yet right. we're building a 
new and improved F-16. So uh, this gives you an idea of uh, priorities, mm, myopia, blindness, whatever you want to call it, just outright uh, ignorance of, of, of facts and where money is being spent by the government. It's not on these earmarks. It's at the Pentagon. Indeed. And be interesting to uh, compare those sorts of numbers and that story to an upcoming challenge for the uh, U.S. Census Bureau, which now has to consider the problem posed by the emergence of tent cities. Mm. And this, as reported in the Financial Times as of a couple days ago, um, one in nine U.S. homeowners with a mortgage was behind on home loan payments or in some stage of foreclosure by the end of last year. Reports are growing of the desperate measures which people are turning to. Uh, almost 300,000 homes received foreclosure filings in February alone. And, of course, many of these people, uh, where do they go? They're, uh, you know, doubling up with relatives, other families, uh, hotels, and, indeed, tent cities are popping up. The numbers of people on food stamps or qualifying to receive food stamps has jumped to a record 32.2 million and that's up 400,000 from just December. Mm -hmm. uh, the previous high uh, in food stamp recipients came in 1991-92, when as many as 27 million uh, Americans qualified for this most basic of aid. And it really, it's not a great allotment. Uh, it's about $112 a month uh, per person or 250 per household to buy food. And if you're do the shopping for your household, you know that $250 is a pretty thin stretch over a month. Um, so, you know, we're spending trillions of dollars on fighter Unless, planes. Unless, of course, Rush Limbaugh is one of your house guests. <laughs> In which case, $250 might cover a couple of days worth of And he might be, because activity. I, don't, I don't know if you heard about this, but he's outraged about the the uh, tax that uh, Governor Patterson has imposed on rich people in New York, so he's out of he's out of there. Mm. So he's currently homeless. <laughs> <laughs> yuck, yuck! Probably living in his car, which is probably an RV. But yeah, they're all littered with empty oxycontin bottles rolling around the floor, no doubt. Living cars, you know, and uh, you wonder how many people are missed by that uh, right. problem. So, I mean, this the is census a, has all kinds of problems. It's exceedingly important that it be as accurate as possible. This is a really important census year. And it's interesting that uh, another top official at the University of Michigan was named uh, hmm. to direct the census. He apparently works over at the uh, Institute of Social Research. And right across Survey the street Center. from our studios. Huh? Right across the street. There uh, have been a couple of big... Uh, Obama appointees recently coming from the University of Michigan, uh, not MSU. <laughs> anyway, uh, you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. We got about a minute, two minutes to go yet in the program. And of course, the unemployment numbers came out. Unemployment is now up to 8.5%. Uh, troubling numbers. The number of unemployed people rose to 13.2 million in March. Um, those unemployed for more than six months or longer reached 3.2 million. Of course, uh, these uh, problems continue in, in uh, construction, manufacturing, etc. Uh, housing, 
Well, actually, it says manufacturing led the way down again, shedding another 161,000 jobs. Construction declined by 126,000 jobs, and professional and business services.